Was there an Adam? Was there an Eve? Or did we evolve from what we conceived? Either way, we got what... Okay, hey everybody, this is Harvey Sluggo Wasserman back for the 134th, count them, 134 Green Grassroots Emergency Election Protection Coalition Zoom call. It, it's Earth Week, and so we are starting at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific with all the inside stuff on two of the key states that are blowing our minds, uh, Ohio, which never ceases to find a new bottom, and, uh, and Florida uh, in the second half hour here, where Wendy Lederman will take us on an excursion through flooded Fort Lauderdale. I will note, by the way, that um, Ron DeSantis will not be joining us today because he's in Japan. Uh, God knows what he's doing there. I, I hope they grab his passport and keep him, but that's another story. Um, uh, we are uh, gonna <clears throat> deal with the politics of those two states in the beginning and um, um, have some talk na nationwide today. Um, uh, both Don Lemon and Tucker Carlson were fired from their networks. Uh, so they're looking for jobs. So maybe we'll have them on uh, later in the week if you want to hire them for your network. Uh, this is Earth Week. Um, uh, the 22nd was Earth Day. Um, uh, and uh, I, I actually on that the day before on the 21st, uh, no, actually, on Earth Day, um, I saw Bobby Kennedy Jr., uh, a, a friend of mine who introduced my book, Solartopia, uh, for about a half hour on Fox. And then in the evening, I went to hear Marianne Williamson, who introduced my book on the passing of my parents, speak in downtown Manhattan. And we had uh, dinner with her. I have to say that Marianne Williamson is quite a speaker. And uh, of the three or four hundred people in the audience, um, at least um, three quarters were in their 20s. It was a very young audience to the extent that they had to have a separate section for us baby boomers. Uh, it was called the AARP. Uh, I was at Woodstock uh, section uh, of, of the audience. So that was that was fun. But at any rate, um, so we're going to do the first hour dealing with the lunacy of Ohio, swing state Ohio, and God knows what Florida, and uh, a lot of uh, national issues as well, um, including the Supreme Court situation on on, uh, on the uh, abortion pill. And then the second hour, we will start with the latest news from Diablo Canyon in California, which is still happening. And uh, then we're going to have uh, 15, uh, a few minutes, uh, five minutes with Dr. Nancy on plastics. And Nancy conducted a wonderful Zoom on Earth Day this weekend. Uh, Nancy, thank you so much for that. Uh, it was, I did my part of it from a car parked on a street in Manhattan, but that was very, about as unearthed day as you can get. But nonetheless, uh, it was a beautiful event. So thank you for that, Nancy. And then uh, Tatanka Bricka and I are gonna explore the indigenous roots of environmental consciousness. Um, uh, I know that sounds a little abstract, so we'll just say what the Indians think about the earth. And um, uh, it's an important topic, and we hope in the second hour uh, you will join us. Uh, good to see Anna Georgie from Western Mass and, and uh, Lisa from uh, Chicago, and Dave Saltman is here in the Bronx. Um, a wonderful crew. We have 42 people to start, 
And we also, most importantly, uh, we have Rachel Coyle, who's rapidly chewing her dinner. Uh, Ra Rachel, go ahead, finish eating. We don't want you to get, get uh, <laughs> uh, sort of choke on, on the air. So um, uh, I do wanna, uh, unfortunately, I, this is happening more often, but there are a couple of people who departed this week. We wanna uh, really recognize Rory of Hollywood, who was a tremendous, uh, 30 years, I believe, on KPFK in Los Angeles. He went from midnight to six uh, every, every night. And he was an absolutely wonderful broadcaster, great politics. Uh, uh, any guy with the name Roy of Hollywood, you gotta love, but he was really a mainstay of radio, in a, of, of left-wing progressive radio here in Los Angeles. And he will be deeply missed. And also I have to say a farewell to my wonderful Aunt Phyllis, my, my father came from a family of eight, my mother from a family of four, and Phyllis was the last one. She died this week at 97. So Phyllis, we miss you. She was a wonderful human being. And uh, uh, we will conduct a family Zoom uh, later for her if you wanna join the Wasserman family. <laughs> so at, at any rate, uh, goodbye, Roy, goodbye, Phyllis. We, you are deeply missed, but you are always with us. So, we now, uh, we now have 50 people and we are gonna start. I know Marta Steele is with us as a great expert on Ohio elections. And Marta, you're welcome to join in. Rachel Coyle is gonna give us the stuff coming out of Ohio, which is of course in the heart of the country, a swing state, um, always a swing state. The stuff coming out of Ohio now, if you made it up, nobody would believe it. I mean, it is absolutely staggering <laughs> to, to to hear what Rachel was gonna tell us. So Rachel, you can start with the $61 million bribery case, the uh, the uh, opposite, the attempt to change referendum, the, the gerrymandering, uh, the joining of the attorney general in support of Ron, Ron DeSantis firing the prosecutor, uh, the, the, the right-wingers who are shooting up the transformers, the, the, the destruction of wind and solar, take your pick. Uh, what is the latest from Ohio? Oh man, <laughs> there is so much happening in Ohio. One of the, the bills I want to talk about is a bill that is not getting enough attention and we are giving Florida a run for their money in terms of attacking education in Ohio. Um, there is a bill that we're calling the Higher Education Destruction Act, SB 83, <laughs> that would it literally destroy Ohio's colleges and universities. I don't know how they're thinking of doing it because it would cost the state so much money, uh, but this bill would ban uh, anything that has to do with uh, bringing out, separating an individual group of people. So it would ban entire departments and majors and classes and books, uh, sororities and fraternities, uh, some of our lawyers are saying, clubs, um, African-American studies, women's studies, gender studies, literally anything that separates or highlights one individual group. It also would require teachers, professors at colleges to uh, look at to get both sides of what are they're calling controversial topics like climate change is specifically listed in the bill as a controversial topic. Um, they would it would also ban lots of uh, public employees from striking, not just university employees, but first responders, nurses. 
Um, and it would ban academic relationships with China, which our lawyers are saying would include college, like Chinese exchange students, which is a massive financial benefit to lots of the universities, um, not even, you know, paying attention to the diversity benefit of that. But it is truly a devastating bill. Um, and we've got some really good organizations fighting back against that. So I'll put some resources in the chat if you want to help us fight that one. Horatio, are they going to ban studying Chinese language? According, so if you want to do it without any ties academically to China, you could probably still do it. But if you wanted to like bring over a professor or a student, uh, have any kind of program, that would be banned under the current so bill. So if you're studying Chinese in Ohio, and you mentioned that there's a country called China. Is that, <laughs> is that like banned? That is allowed. You just can't oh, with them. <laughs> um, so that is that one actually received such big pushback last week. We had over 500 people submit opposition testimony. It was uh, what we're being told is the largest ever. We had over 100 people show up to testify in person against the bill um, and it went in well into the night. So we're seeing the, the pushback we need. It's just very, very scary to think that this bill could continue to move even with all that pushback. So I'm going to put some resources in the chat there for anyone who's interested. Um, you also mentioned the two resolutions. So Ohio right now is trying to collect signatures uh, to put abortion rights on the ballot, like a lot of states are doing. And they the Republicans know that polling shows that Ohioans support abortion rights. Uh, so what they're trying to do is prevent us from getting on the ballot. So they are trying to pass two resolutions, uh, one HJR1, the other one's S, uh, SJR2, they're both exactly the same now, that would make it very impossible for citizens to amend the constitution. It would make it so that you'd need over 60%, you'd need 60% of the statewide vote to pass anything into the constitution uh, instead of a simple majority. You would need signatures from all 88 Ohio counties instead of the current 44. Um, it would get rid of that extra few days that you have at the end of signature collection to make up the numbers you're missing if you turn in your signatures and you're missing a few thousand. So it would just be really, really difficult. They're also trying to put that resolution on the ballot for Ohioans before November when we think abortion rights are going to get there. So they're trying to beat us to the ballot, essentially. Um, but in order to do that, they have to pass a new bill, Senate Bill 92, that would bring back August elections, um, which they literally just got rid of four months ago because they said they were incredibly expensive and unnecessary and that nobody votes in the August elections because they never know when they're happening. So they got rid of them and are now trying to bring them back literally just to put these two resolutions on the ballot before abortion rights get there in November. So it is a lot happening in Ohio. <laughs> right now that's well, all part, of, part right. of the point of bringing all this up is that what happens in ohio tends to then happen in the rest of the country yes absolutely and in the 20th century i think no democrat got elected without carrying ohio except for franklin roosevelt i believe in 1940. um so you know what happens in ohio does happen and i lived in ohio for 50 years it's hard to say that but um we moved there when I was two. I got escaped. I came back, lived there another 30 years or so. And it got to be where I, I could not go into the Ohio, into the state house. It, it was like Night of the Living Dead in there. And um, what about the law that they were going to pass that required that all state legislators have a lobotomy? Did that, did that one uh, <laughs> go forward or? 
I don't know, but I wouldn't be surprised if somebody has introduced it. Okay. So basically, um, what is happening? I'm going to go through the list here. This is incredibly important nationwide, uh, even though it seems it's just Ohio. As most of you know, who follow elections, Ohio has uh, morphed from a democratic, mostly democratic state uh, right through the 1980s into a, a solid red Republican state. And the, the Demo which has tremendous implications for the upcoming election. I mean, uh, Trump carried Ohio, I believe, by eight points. Um, and uh, the, we had a liberal Democratic governor in Ohio named Richard Celeste, and then another one named Ted Strickland, and Strickland was just forced out. And um, we had John Kasich, who was somewhat sane, and now Mike DeWine has just gone off the deep end, and the, the whole legislature is incredibly gerrymandered. So, Rachel, can you tell us this? The gerrymandering story in Ohio is incredibly important because we had two state referenda to ban gerrymandering. It went to the Ohio Supreme Court, where it was four, um, four to three for the mm -hmm. Republicans, but the Republican um, Chief Justice Maureen O'Connor demanded fair maps. And Rachel, can you tell us what has then happened? Yes. So in they basically ignored the Ohio Supreme Court multiple times uh, and forced Ohio. The, 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 the legislature did. The legislature did. The legislature yep. basically told the gerrymandered legislature told the Ohio Supreme Court to drop dead, basically. Yes, they essentially were like, come and arrest us if you're going to. And no one even knew logistically how that would work. Uh, so we ended up in Ohio voting using illegal maps uh, for both the congressional and legislative districts last year because the legislature just fully ignored the Supreme Court. Uh, and now the one Republican on the court who had been voting with the Democrats for fair maps um, aged out. In Ohio, you can't run for re-election as a judge if you're over the age of 70. So she aged out um, and was replaced by a very conservative justice. So now we are we have to redistrict again this year for the rest of the decade. But they pretty much assume that those maps are going to continue because of the court makeup to be illegally gerrymandered based on our state constitution. So now we're going to have to try and go back to the ballot to pass an even stricter constitutional amendment about gerrymandering that includes punishments for folks who ignore the law. Uh, and we're going to maybe have to be trying to do that with this new 60% uh, ballot initiative regulation that they're going to try and pass this year. So here's here's the thread. And the forest will call you on you in a minute. Forrest, you have a hand. Anybody else wants to raise a hand, please do. Please do. Um, <laughs> the, the people of the state of Ohio, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, Rachel, or Steve, you're in Ohio too. The people of the state of Ohio passed two referenda, public vote to end gerrymandering. Yep. They mandated the legislature to draw fair maps. The legislature's maps, which were completely gerrymandered, the, the legislature paid no attention to the voting public. Those maps went to the Ohio Supreme Court. The Ohio Supreme Court throughout the maps that were drawn up, the gerrymandered maps drawn up by the gerrymandered legislature, threw out those maps and said, you have to 
uh, draw up fair maps. And the legislature basically told the people of Ohio who voted twice and the Ohio Supreme Court to drop dead and kept the gerrymandered maps, which went through the 22 election. And so we now have the entire Ohio legislature and the Ohio congressional de delegation completely gerrymandered. You have super majorities in both houses of the Ohio legislature. The congressional delegation is what, 12 to three, something like that? It, we actually picked up a, a couple seats this year, which was shocking, uh, but they're going to redistrict even worse next year in Congress. Uh, I believe we have five Democrats in Congress right now, but it so should 11 be 11 to five, right? Mm -hmm. or, or, 12, or, 12, or 10 to five, whatever and it is, it's a vastly, Ohio is roughly divided. And uh, now the state, the gerrymandered state legislature, and this is going on all over the country, of this will, I guess it's the first time yet a state has tried to do this. The legislature wants to say that if you have a, a referendum statewide, you have to get 60% of the votes. Is that right? Yep. <laughs> Which would allow for, of course, 41% of the state, a minority to decide whether or not we get abortion rights or minimum wage raised or anything we want to take to the ballot. I mean, you know, minority rule, essentially, you, you almost choke on saying on this stuff, mm -hmm. um, which makes me glad I don't live in Columbus anymore. Thank God I got out of there. <laughs> uh, my condolences to you, Rachel and, and Steve and everybody else left behind in the great state of Ohio. Uh, Forrest, uh, do you have a hand, please? Forrest, let's unmute you. Ask to unmute. There we go. Forrest, are you unmuted? Uh, no, not yet. We also, uh, we have an energy situation. No, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. Um, okay, go ahead, Forrest. So, um, I, I am and on this topic about what's going on in Ohio, uh, because, um, um, I am also one of the, um, Democrats in the state of New Hampshire that I am and and our um ab abortion is still legal in New Hampshire, and and um we are trying to keep abortion um to be more accessible in all states, including New Hampshire as well. And thank um, you. So thank yeah. you for us. Thank you for that. Um, we appreciate it. Uh, Eric Lazarus, and then Justin. Eric, you're in New York. Uh, Justin, you're in California, but go ahead. Eric, please, are you unmuted? Justin, can you hear me? Yeah. Um, so how does that work for 40%? I didn't. I missed a little bit of that. For 40% would end up determining abortion. Thanks so much, Rachel. Yeah, so we are, uh, we are trying to go, we're collecting signatures to try and go to the ballot uh, this year, this November, to put abortion rights in Ohio's constitution. And right now, 50% uh, plus one vote, a, a simple majority of Ohioans uh, passing that resolution would put it into the constitution. But the Republicans in the state house are attempting to change the constitution before November uh, to make it so that you would need 60% of the statewide vote 
for citizens to amend the constitution, which would mean that just 41% of the people could block abortion rights. Yeah. Got it. Oh, wow. Yeah. And of course that, um, that, that matches, um, that matches the filibuster in the Senate. So I guess we have to be consistent in our federalism. Justin, uh, and then Wendy, Justin. Yeah, so I wanted to uh, make the additional layered point that it's not just a minority of voters who would actually make the uh, deciding results here. It's a minority of minority of voters because turnout is often relatively low. And when turnout does happen, it skews old and rich and white uh, more than anything else. So, uh, you know, there are plenty of cases where you can get 30% or 15% of the population actually imposing their will on the rest. And uh, so th this is something that's not just an Ohio thing, as you said, this is something that's happening all across the United States. And so historically, the uh, way to overcome gerrymandering was to get out the vote. And so I'm wondering, Rachel, what uh, is being worked on strategically in that regard as well? Yes, we are. So we're already working on getting folks to because we're going to have to get folks out then in August and November uh, if this passes first to vote no on the making it harder to amend the Constitution. And then again, yes, in November to support abortion rights in the Constitution. So it's going to have to be a multi pronged uh, campaign and it's going to have to we're going to have to start messaging it immediately um like a, a no in august yes in november kind of campaign to get the same people out twice so that conversation is happening we are still we have a very small chance but we're still focused on it uh to stop this this resolution in the in the house in ohio um the speaker of the ohio house is receiving a lot of pressure and is hesitant to to move this resolution forward so there's still a small chance we stop it before it gets to an August ballot, and we're we're focused heavily on that. And then if it passes, we will then have to go full on message campaign. I would like to point out that the last speaker of the Ohio House is headed to prison, uh, so <laughs> maybe if and the one before guy... him was arrested by the FBI as well. It's been uh, the last two now. Whoa! <laughs> what a, what a state! And um, uh, we we do want to. Uh, I will want to express my particular uh, point of view that I wish the referendum on, on abortion in Ohio was in 24 and not in 23 and in November of 24. That would make a huge difference and could result in Ohio having a not going Republican in 24. So that, that's something to think about. If, there if is. Yes, if we so if we don't end up getting the number of signatures needed, those signatures do transfer over. So we could then go in November of 24. Uh, so that is I think the calculus was that they wanted to try it as soon as possible and then know that the signatures don't expire, essentially. Really? I didn't know that. That's interesting. OK, uh, maybe I'll move back and, uh, and sign up. Yes. Um, Wendy Lederman and then Mary Jane. Go ahead, Wendy. And then Mary Jane. Thank you. Really quickly, Rachel, we're so glad to have you back. You always do awesome reporting. We just love your energy. Um, so I just wanted to quickly say that I swear, like Ohio and Florida are like twinsies. They're sister states. Yeah. Like yep. I'm, I'm hearing some of the things you're saying, and it's literally exactly like verbatim, like especially with the educational stuff, um, with what is banned, 
Um, I think for us, it applies to the public universities. And so we're seeing with some of the private universities that there are major walkouts that are happening with the um, students and the teachers and marches. And um, we also have one because we already have a 60% supermajority and they're going for 67%, which would be oh the highest. Really? Yeah. yeah, I think. I, I think in order to, I think that would have to be um, an, a constitutional amendment, and I think it would have to go before the voters in order to pass, but you never, like, who cares about constitution anymore, right? So um, what I'm, we're seeing here, too, is that, like, the Democratic Party is getting really infiltr infiltrated, and they're starting to infiltrate the Progressive Caucus, so we're trying to get some boots on the ground to, like, work on some things, because our, our maps were done, same thing by DeSantis, completely unconstitutional. We have 20 red red districts and eight blue districts so um in the future i'll be in touch um when we can maybe get some organizing going here and just kind of maybe join forces but i really appreciate everything you're doing and please keep coming back and reporting for us well, thank uh, you and let me point out that the attorney general of the state of ohio dave yost has joined a lawsuit uh on the amicus side with, with desantis desantis fired an elected prosecutor in Florida who announced that he would not um, uh, enforce the abortion ban. And there, if you read the states that are supporting DeSantis, it's the former Confederacy, plus uh, you know the, the Dakotas and a couple other red states, and Ohio now. And so Dave Yost, the Attorney General of Ohio, has been really not a friend of democracy is now joining Ron DeSantis in in supporting this lawsuit, uh, uh, the removal of this prosecu elected prosecutor. And this is a, a clearly a wave to come where you're gonna have right-wing governors removing elected officials that they don't like. It's, it's gonna, right, uh, Rachel? I mean, you, you've seen that, right? Yep, absolutely. And I just posted an article in the chat about exactly what you're, you're discussing there. They're, Mind boggling. Yes. I'm uh, Mary Jane Borden. Mary? Uh, can you hear me? Yeah. Can hear me. Um, yes. Um, I, I, I uh, ran ballot issues uh, from 2010 to 2015 in Ohio for medical marijuana. So I really got, you know, neck deep into how this mechanically works. And one thing I wanted to point out, if everybody's really interested in uh, the hearings that occurred this past week for the uh, I think this one was in the House, I think, uh, and it was voted out of the House. But uh, it was very fascinating because uh, Mike Curtin, if you guys go back in time, you probably remember him. I do. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. He, he was it with the brand uh, the Columbus dispatch for about 30 years. And then he was in the legislature about two or two to four years, something like that, a few years after that. And I've never really heard anybody talk so articulately about uh, elections and constitutions than I did with his testimony at this hearing. As I said, this would have been, uh, I don't know how many hearings they've had on this, this uh, joint resolution, but this would have been probably pretty recently. Um, so I would, if you want to get really neck deep in this, it was a fascinating, fascinating to hear him speak. One of the things that has brought out on this is the expense of, of elections, which I think is really the Achilles heel of this whole idea, which is basically, I think, because LaRose is looking to position himself to run for governor in this so-called conservative state. 
uh, if I've got my number wrong, um, I forgive me, but I heard that uh, approximating something like $20 million to throw an election. Yes, that's and the exact number. Yes. You see what I'm saying here? So we, you know, LaRose last year was being very forceful, says we're going to do away with this. It's an expense. It doesn't work. La, La Rose, uh, Frank LaRose is the Secretary of State of Ohio. He is the current Secretary of State. That is correct. That is correct. He was in, he was in the legislature before that. Uh, House or Senate, maybe both. Maybe when they both. Um, but anyway. Um, I think that's the really Achilles heel of this because, like I said, here, this is a rush job. They're trying to put it into, you know, like a, a wolf in sheep's clothing and say, oh, well, this is about, you know, Larry Householder and the corruption that could, you know, is going to be placed in the Constitution the, by these big, big moneyed interests. Okay, so first of all, let me, I'm going to finish first, first thought. Okay, first, but you got to gotta hustle because we're, Mary Jane, because we're running out of time. So just do it real, real succinctly if you can. Okay, was, I would say because I was a part of these, the ballot issue process in 2015, I very clearly remember any time an initiative will come before the legislature that it doesn't like, it'll find some way of tanking it. And that's what happened in 2015, if you remember, with issue two. Issue three was the monopoly amendment. Issue two was an amendment that they actually did place in the Constitution which was forbids the monopolies you in fact you have to collect all okay. your signatures and then finally the ballot board will go through it and say whether or not you're a monopoly and so that it, that is a real right, you know, right, right when they're trying to say that this is about corruption it is not because it's already as mike curtin of course pointed out and i can remember very distinctly it is not it is just strictly about tanking the abortion amendment this happens commonly with the uh, republican legislatures you're exactly right. And it's the, the corruption in Ohio is just absolutely mind boggling. And Mary Jane, it's great to have you on, by the way. You're a great activist and we really uh, uh, honor your work. Um, uh, we can go to Ruth. And Mary Jane, I know you've been a, a marijuana activist. Is, uh, is Mary Jane your real name? <laughs> Sorry, is, I couldn't resist. <laughs> I know. Okay. For the sake of everybody, yes. My name is Mary Jane. My dad gave it to me the day I was born. I've been Mary Jane ever since. Was it, okay. And uh, I, we won't go any deeper, but thank you. My dad was the straightest person that was ever placed on this planet. I want well, to be that's clear what about you may that. think, but I, I know better. No, I, I know, no. I know my was dad was the straightest guy ever placed on the planet. Okay. I'm not kidding. Thank you, Mary Jane. And, and Mary, she's going to talk on Ohio marijuana initiative after Rachel. Okay. Uh, well, okay. Um, but, well, actually, let's do Ruth Strauss. And Mary Jane will come right back to you and talk uh, about the marijuana. I just want to thank you. Uh, thank you both for excellent presentations and Harvey for you getting them on here. I just wanted to know, Jane, Mary Jane, can you tell me you referenced a talk that you said was great by somebody? Can you tell us if there, if we're able to access that? I would go to uh, Channel 34, which is where, you know, oh, public, great public access is. You've got three different networks that they kind of show there. Can you spell that, Jen? J-E-N 34 or what? Yeah, channel, channel, TV channel. Channel, okay. channel. Channel 34. At least on my television, it's channel we'll 34. We'll get it to you. Ruth, we'll get it to you. Okay, because we'll we're in down, California. We'll Rachel, and Thank we'll post you. it. Oh, okay. okay. All right, yeah, so you Mary just have Jane, to watch it. We'll watch it on that. Ohio section. With you, we'll go back to Rachel to wrap up. But I remember being in Ohio for years and years, and everybody would get together, 
and we talk about putting a referendum on the ballot to make pot legal. And then everybody was too stoned to go out and get the signatures. But oh, I come think on. That... No way. We collect <laughs> 150,000 of the darn things. Don't give us that. No okay, way. so tell us about no the upcoming marijuana legislation. Then we'll go to Mary Jane. I mean, to Rachel and wrap up Ohio. Go ahead, Mary Jane. Oh, am I on now? Yes. yes. And we have seven okay, people. Can, we collected 150,000 signatures for the High Canvas Rights Amendment in 2013 and 14. The reason we didn't make the ballot was because Responsible Ohio came along with $20 million and we didn't have $20 million and they lost. Okay, I got that. All right. So what is the now, status of pot now in Ohio? Is it legal? Okay, is it great, not good legal? question. Oh. That's where my specialty is. For some reason, I ended up being a specialist in marijuana. Go figure, you know. Um, okay, where are we at? Um, in 2000, after, after Responsible Ohio lost in 2016, some of their players came back and put what's called HB 523 before the Ohio legislature in 2016. I have never in my life, because there was another ballot issue that was you know, chomping at its heels, you know, that was uh, from uh, the Marijuana Policy Project. I have never seen a legislature move so fast in my life. Within two weeks, marijuana, medical marijuana was legal in the state of Ohio at the end of May in 2016. So this is the program that we've been working with ever since. It's called the Ohio Medical Marijuana Control Program. Um, as a person who we, we've gone from having nothing to having something, um, it's a pretty decent program, I think. You know, um, okay. I, I'm a, I'm a registered right. patient. I can go to dispenser and get, you know, all kinds of all kinds of stuff, all kinds of, you know, marijuana products. And I think that's a really good thing. Senator uh, Stephen Huffman uh, from okay. Western Ohio introduced SB9. Um, it was actually HB 261 okay. last year. Now, this year, because it was not passed in 2000. By 2022 was reintroduced at the beginning of this year as SB9. And what SB9 is designed to do is to improve the program. Okay. Um, it does make some improvements. Um, okay. And, and, and um, I want to just see if I could bridge this correctly here. Well, no, Mary, Mary Jane, time, you, you got to really nail it down because we're, we're over time a little bit. So are you saying that, is, what about recreational marijuana? Is that- I'm trying to get to that. I'm trying to get okay, to that. Okay, go for it real quick. So playing, let's see, we have them playing against one another. We have the legislature trying to tank one. All right, got it? Good. Okay, so in last year, they, um, I don't know if Tom here in the group form, regulate marijuana like alcohol as the, um, the organization. And they're fielding what's called an initiated statute, which is different than a constitutional amendment. And I want to be clear here. The 60% um, threshold is for constitutional amendments only, only. It does not apply to initiated statutes. Initiated okay. statutes will remain 50% plus one. Okay. So hanging out there right now. Is initiated statute. It had its first set of signatures that were cleared. Because this, I, I have to go into how this works, but just follow me. No, here. no, its no. First you can't. Set of signatures was cleared. Gotta... Its first set of signatures were cleared last year in 2022. Now they have four. The legislature has four months to act, and if they do not act, 
the, the, the petitioners can go out and collect another set of signatures to place it on the fall ballot. Okay. We will know, and I don't think, I've seen no enabling legislation. I will tell you probably with pretty good, pretty good accuracy, they'll be out collecting just like the abortion rights okay. people are All beginning right. on May 4th. And we'll have a, thank you. And we'll have a vote on marijuana. What about the vote? Rachel, do you want to wrap us up in Ohio so we can go to Florida? What is going to happen with abortion in Ohio, in Ohio now? Thank you, Mary Jane. It really is. Thank you, Mary Jane. Thank you. And please come back and uh, and update us on that. And give my regards to Cannabis Kenny, if you will. Okay, uh, go go ahead. And Bob Petrakis, no doubt. And yes. My hero. Rachel, please. Thank you. It really is looking like they're going to get the signatures to get on the ballot in November. Uh, There's two websites if you want to support. It's abortionaccessohio.com and protectchoiceohio.com. If you don't live in Ohio, you can donate to help them, but they're also looking for volunteers and people to just get the word out. Um, They are looking like they're going to get the signatures. So then the goal is going to be to get to stop these uh, resolutions that would make it harder to put something on the ballot. But if we can't do that, we're going to have to get people out to vote in August to vote against the the constitutional resolution change. And then again in November to vote for abortion rights. So it's going to be a multi-pronged effort. The first goal, though, is to get on the ballot. Uh, So we're working on that. If anyone wants to help us collect signatures, that'll be huge. Well, Rachel, you're great. Mary Jane, you're great. Keep coming back to us, please. Because as goes Ohio, so goes the nation. But this idea that they want to make make you the public get 60% to pass a congressional referendum is absolutely constitutional referendum is absolutely outrageous, absolutely outrageous and, and should be completely unconstitutional. I'm sure it'll go to the Supreme Court. And, um, and, uh, and one of the reasons we're seeing uniformity, by the way, and these guys like the education bill is because we do have Alec, the American Legislative Exchange Council, which is funded by the Koch brothers, which writes up this legislation and it goes all over the place. So um, uh, thank you, Steve, for bringing us, Rachel and, and, and Mary Jane. We'll have you both back uh, week after week to keep us posted on this because it's very, very important nationwide. So thank you both and, and we'll keep at it. Thank okay, you. we have, um, we want to go to Wendy Lederman now in Florida. As you can see behind me, I'm, I'm about to jump in the ocean at Fort Lauderdale, which has been flooded. Um, 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 Wendy, you have a program. We're going to go to the top of the hour. At the top of the hour, we're going to get a brief report on Diablo Canyon and on plastics. And then we're going to talk about the indigenous roots of environmentalism. Meanwhile, um, Wendy and her talking cat will uh, give us a report from Fort Lauderdale. Go ahead, please. Wendy. Thank you. Yes. In Fort Lauderdale, the beach comes to you. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> That's good. I like that. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Harvey, do you mind if I just take a quick minute to talk about Tortuguita and Cop City real quick? Yes. Uh, the, we all know about the demonstrations against Cop City, this horrendous project they want to do in a forest in Atlanta. Uh, a young man in his 20s was basically murdered by the police. Do you want to tell us about it, Wendy? Yes, please. Thank you so much. Yes. Um, Tortuguita, yesterday was his birthday, his 27th birthday, um, and there was um, some protests all in many, many states. So the independent autopsy was finally released um, about a month or so ago. Um, they revealed that because the, the original um, official 
claim was that he shot at um, troopers first and the original autopsy that was released showed that he was um, sitting in a meditative position with his hands up and he had no gun residue on his fingers and there was no time to clean it and no short fingernails, all that. So that was um, debunked. And the latest report shows he was shot 57 times while sitting, while sitting with just meditative. So, um, and uh, the ACLU- His crime was breathing while meditating. That's now illegal. Go ahead. Yeah. And um, and just so if anyone doesn't know what Cop City is, it's um, like an almost 90 acre, 85 acre um, police training facility in Atlanta. It would be the largest in the country. And it's designed to um, subdue urban um, uprising of any kind. And um, the forces, they would be trained by Israeli forces I'm going to put a link in the chat in a minute that shows um, where the funding is coming from. Actually, the um, there's a, a Atlanta Police Foundation. I guess there are a bunch of different police foundations throughout the country, which is actually a private nonprofit. So it's funded by Coca-Cola, Bank of America, UPS, Chick-fil-A, um, all these corporations. And they're spending six, 60 of the $90 million it takes to fund um, on this private or this public land, that sacred land in the Wilani Forest. That was once part of the Trail of Tears. So um, I think it was the Muscogee Creek Indians were forced out of there. And now um, it's being taken from public loot use. And the plans for it are like not set. So they keep kind of tr- like changing. They keep there's like kind of secretive maps that are being released that they're showing that they're going to have to expand onto further private property. The ACLU is part of this task force that was assigned and they stepped down because of the lack of transparency. Um, an appeal was just um, denied because all the clean water um, violations, um, all the environmental protections are being um, just thrown out, and as well as the appeal to protect those um, those protections. So it's just such a, a crazy, crazy story. And just the fact that Tortuguita was shot 57 times while sitting in a meditative position, trying to defend the forest, the sacred forest, um, precious land. So it's something that um, people should be aware of. It's the first environmental activist shot and killed, murdered by police. Um, so thank you for um, for having me report on that. I will um, put the links in the chat and um, happy birthday to Tortuguita and may his legacy live on. Um, I just saw Leanne Barber just um, entered. So um, we'll switch over to Fort Lauderdale now. Um, Fort Lauderdale was uh, flooded about a week ago um, with just record record rainfall. But a lot of this could have been avoided had the city been paying attention to residents' um, calls for a moratorium on overdevelopment for years. And I mean, regulars here have heard me many, many, many times discuss about the commission um, and their lack of um, cooperation um, just their their basic contempt and ridicule for any um for anyone who speaks out um against any anything that has to do with their own interest and the public of the interest. You heard me talk about the water privatization. There is um privatization of the last green space, which my friend Leanne Barber just came on, and she was a major community organizer behind trying to save this piece of land. And part of the importance of this is that you know where where does the water go when you pave over every blade of grass 
goes into people's homes. It goes into the streets. It goes everywhere. And so um, I actually have um, a video that I'd like to share really quick. I'm going to do a screen share in a moment. Um, but I do want to let you know that the biggest issue for me, I think, is that you know, I, I run the Fort Lauderdale Water Crisis Community Forum, which I founded when um, when we had 300 million gallons of raw sewage pour into the New River after five consecutive um, floods, and private tests were showing astronomical um, levels of fecal bacteria, and the city was opening the waters for recreation, saying, "Come on down, spring breakers, everybody have fun." Meanwhile, people like who knows how many people got sick. And, and so it's happening again. There's 150 times um, levels of, of people matter being found as we speak. And all the water advisories were immediately lifted. And there, anytime another water main breaks, they're calling it a traffic advisory. But I'm going to go ahead and do a little screen share of this two minute video just to kind of give you um, an example of what's going on. So pardon my fumbling a little bit, but here we go. Excuse me one second, guys. Failed them when they needed them the most. Local time's Christian Melarosa is live in Fort Lauderdale with this part of our team coverage. Christian. Yeah, and in their defense, we have seen city officials working nonstop, but just the amount of work and cleanup that needs to be done is just so enormous. We've been talking to a lot of people who are angry, annoyed, and some people have even gotten sick. Y'all can predict a hurricane, but you can't let us know when this tropical storm is hitting. It wasn't a tropical storm, but you get the message. Emotions are running high in hard hit neighborhoods where people we spoke to feel city and county officials failed them ahead of the epic flood. Okay, we, Wendy, yes, we, we can't see it and we may have issues. So wow. go ahead and tell us more about what happened um, with in, in, in Fort Lauderdale and what's, what's happening now. You got it, sorry, let me turn West off the volume. Circle, yeah, turn, turn it off and, and go ahead and tell us um, more about what's happened with Fort Lauderdale in particular and with Ron DeSantis now in general. So um, Ron DeSantis was, um, I think he was in like New Hampshire campaigning and at the same time um, passing a six week abortion ban that if you were raped, you need to show um, proof of it or some sort of report. Um, finally, there's some relief coming, but just essentially, I mean, like I said, there's um, there's uh, Clean Waterways is a group that has been going out to all the areas and doing private testing and they're showing like, like rates that like 48,000 parts per million when it's like 70 is the safe limit. And so it's literally 150 times what is considered safe. And this is all over the city. And a week ago, the the advisories were lifted. Not Nowhere in any of the city's posts or um, information that they're putting out, they're like, yeah, you can come do your laundry over here. And we're working on, you know, demucking and getting the debris. But most of the debris was cleaned up by the residents, and they are just not mentioning the deadly bacteria. People get sepsis, they get infections. I mean, pets are in this. I mean, it's it's just completely criminal and it could have been avoided, or at least it, like a lot of this could have been mitigated if there hasn't been so much overdevelopment where they're just selling off all the, the public land to private investors that are just getting paved over. 
every every last inch. I mean, there's there's ways like we we talked about Babcock Ranch a few months ago when Ian hit, and they were able to to kind of mitigate some of the effects of Ian not only by being self sufficient with energy, but the way that they designed, you know, having natural habitat and landscape and places for the water to go. And these are things that need to be considered. And they're acting like it's Vegas here just by tearing up every single thing that they possibly can and just selling it off to their their private investors. And all my friend Leanne Barber wrote an op-ed. Um, there were several op-eds in the Sun Sentinel um, that were just calling out the city for saying like, what do you expect us to happen? You know, just be honest, all the comments on um, on Facebook, on the, the city's page, I mean, all the residents are just like, can you test for this bacteria? What's going on with this? Just ridiculing them. And they have the city, the residents here have absolutely no say. And if um, Leanne Barber wants to speak for a minute, if she's ready, um, then she can talk a little bit about, um, she does a lot of work with um, regenerative agriculture, but again, she was um, foremost in the move to save the last um, piece of green space. And now they just sold off a piece of a park where Leanne was telling me that it's the only place in the county that they, um, uh, compost uh, seaweed, and we have a mass of seaweed on its way to us. And so I'll, I'll let Leanne um, go ahead. She's actually on site from her urban farm where she was just supplying kids in distress with some garden supplies, and she's <laughs> snacking there. So hopefully, um, she'll be able to talk a little bit with us. Thanks so much. Yeah, Thanks I'll for unmute, Leanne. Leanne. I think we need to unmute. Yeah. Okay. I do want to point out, as I mentioned uh, earlier, that. Um, Governor DeSantis is in Japan right now, while Fort, while, while Fort Lauderdale is underwater and being poisoned. And um, um, he is running about 15% behind Donald Trump in the Republican polls, but um, he's still, he is the number two choice of most Republicans uh, right now to be the presidential nominee. Uh, Leanne, uh, what do you want to tell us about What's happening in Fort Lauderdale? Well, I think we're suffering from the same um, overdevelopment that's in a lot of cities. And there, there are some good, you know, there's some good urban planning kind of uh, podcasts and websites that are on that I've been trying, you know, reading to kind of explain what's happening and why it's happening. But really, there's this huge push to for, um, you know, a place to invest your money. And it's really going into the urban areas and Fort Lauderdale particularly because our commission is so uh, receptive, so positive about development. Basically, we're living in a situation where Miami what is overdeveloped now. And so you've got developers like, um, like what's his name? Trump's. Kushner. Like Kushner coming now to Fort Lauderdale to look for investment opportunities. And he's he's planning a giant building in downtown Fort Lauderdale. And he's just supposedly bought, bought the block, another block in Flagler Village. So these are people with way, you know, with a tremendous amount of money that are getting um, that are able to influence politicians who make these huge decisions with no data. And that's that to me is our my biggest gripe is that they give away, they they don't look at the consequences of their actions. So we fought okay. for eight. Well, we had a similar situation in New Orleans uh, prior to Hurricane Katrina, 
where the developers completely uh, destroyed the wetlands that were uh, protecting the city of New Orleans from from flooding from the Gulf, and uh, and it was estimated that if they had put five billion dollars into public investment in the wetlands protecting New Orleans, that the hundred billion dollars or more and the eighteen hundred deaths that came with Katrina would not have happened. Yeah. So it sounds to me. And unfortunately, folks on this call, you heard it here first because there will be more hurricanes coming into Fort Lauderdale, that uh, Fort Lauderdale is probably in a very similar position in terms of hurricane damage that uh, New Orleans was prior to Katrina. And, um, um, you know, we're seeing the symptoms now with this flooding. And of course, the DeSantis administration has been ignoring that. The, um, uh, the, as in Ohio, we're seeing the attack on education, which is standardized now. It's cookie cutter stuff coming from Alec and the other right wing so-called, and I guess they're anti-think tanks. And um, we're seeing this unprecedented attack by DeSantis against a an elected prosecutor hmm. who has announced that he won't enforce the abortion laws. Is that right? Wendy, have you followed that case? Um, yeah, I haven't recently. Um, but okay. this is, you know, like, I think this is all really reflective of the fact that um, just rogue power, you know, hopefully there's something in, in law called um, subject matter jurisdiction that's with the courts. I don't know if this would work in this case with the um, attorney general, but it's like, basically, it says, like, if you don't have jurisdiction over this, there's nothing you can do. And it's actually like one of the worst things that's within the without actually being illegal and breaking the law. But if a judge enforces like orders something and doesn't have the jurisdiction over that particular subject, then it doesn't stand it's void. So hopefully, you know, and what I see with a lot of cases, and it's almost like a controlled opposition where it's just like, whoever is kind of supposed to be defending against these things. They just make kind of procedural mistakes or just uh, don't pursue avenues that would work just by coincidence. So, you know, it's like the establishment protects itself. And I I just want to say in Fort Lauderdale, we have a gay Democratic mayor. Okay, so this is I mean, it's just a matter of like corporate in like it, like they're seeping in like salt water is seeping in in our pipes and then it's just poop everywhere. <laughs> I mean, it's really what's going on here and um okay. and again uh i do want to just say with um what leon brought up a really good point about just the preventative um studies that could be done that just aren't like anything that's in the the public interest just isn't being done and and then like you're saying with um with what desantis is doing what he did with the maps what he did with the the ag, what he's done with um, school board districts. I mean, this is just usurping power that doesn't exist. It's the same as when a municipality sells off public access that are assets that they do not own and they treat it like it's their property. And, and that's what they're doing with us, with our votes, with, you know, with our supermajority, with, with everything that they can get their hands on that they have access to, they're going to try to sell it or manipulate it or profit off of it in some certain way. And there's some bills that just came through um, that are either going through or coming through now, they want to make public meetings um, or they want to make it so that uh, developers and their lawyers can have um, 
private meetings like backroom deals, which is what happened basically with the water privatization and all these sell-offs of the public assets, they could talk about on this property behind closed doors, make deals, and it's going to be perfectly legal. They want to do away with ranked choice voting. They want to do away with nonpartisan races. So that even in the primaries, like you cannot like like all the school board districts, all the, the sheriffs, all these, you have to be partisan. You cannot just have an independent or like not bring politics into who's going to be controlling the school boards. So it, it's just this encroachment that we're seeing now that is, you know, like we're like we were talking about with Ohio. It's a playbook that is getting set up for other places. And South Florida, with in reference to the flooding, we're ground zero for climate change, and and we're just the incubator for everything that's happening. And you're not seeing opposition from the left or the right. And even the progressives are getting like smothered and drowned in this corporate takeover that is like Coke and Pepsi, that the two sides just let them each other exist in order to, to fuel the developers, the insurance companies, the oil companies. I mean, whatever you name it, they are taking over and it's coming through the judiciary as we saw when we were talking with Donziger last week. And so it's really like all hands on deck from all aspects that don't seem like they're related because we, ha as the people, have certain rights. We have certain assets. We have things that are of the commons. And these elected representatives that are there to represent and protect are not doing this. And I'm sure when you get into the next hour with Indigenous rights, you're, you're going to be speaking about the rights of nature. That's why we're working on the right to Florida, right to clean water and the green amendments when Maya Van Rossum was here, like constitutional protections with the constitution originally came from the Iroquois Confederacy. Like these are the things that will solidify the people's rights because they're just getting sucked up like mm -hmm. a vacuum. So thank you. Very well spoken. Thank you so much. And um, um, this is the, for my, our listeners at the uh, Progressive Radio Network, this is the Green Grassroots Emergency, Emergency Election Protection Coalition Zoom call number 134. We've been talking about the generic anti-democracy catastrophes in Ohio and Florida, which is along with North Carolina uh, have become kind of the, the poster children for uh, the destruction of democracy. Was there an Adam? Was there an Eve, or did we evolve from what we conceived? Either way, we got what 